ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to this week's episode of the No Higher Calling Podcast. We are in part four of our Respectable Sins Bible study. So we've been kind of working our way through this study as God taught me many lessons through the actual book Respectable Sins by Jerry Bridges. He did an overhaul in my heart, which led me to his word and lots of Bible study and then kind of just overflowed into this study that we're doing on the podcast. So if you are just jumping in, you have not listened to any of the other Respectable Sins Bible study episodes, we have decided to one episode a month go through this study. It is not a book study, um, but I am kind of using the book as my guide. You are more than welcome to get the book and read along. Actually, if you're wanting to do it as a study, um, I would suggest that. I would suggest reading the book and getting out your Bible and just digging deep into this for yourself. Um, But if that's not something that you're interested in or that you have time for, you can glean a lot just from listening to what the Lord has done in my heart through this study. So this is part four. If you're following along in the book, you will see that there are more chapters than there are months in one year. So I'm going to have to double up on certain episodes. So we're going to double up on this episode. We're covering discontentment and unthankfulness in this episode. Um, And as I keep like working through these, they kind of build on one another. So if you haven't listened to one, two, and three, you probably want to go back and find those and listen to that because they just, they, they keep building on each other, on what I say. And for those who have been listening the whole way along, I don't want to keep repeating myself. So if you really want the full um, picture, I guess, of this study, then you'll want to make sure that you get all 12 of these episodes as we go through them throughout the year. But this study has just been such a challenge in my own life. You know, respectable sins. Quick recap. So what on earth is a respectable sin? You know, I think so often we were like, well, I thought no sin was greater than another. Or, you know, I thought all sin was sin in God's eyes. So, and yes, yes, it is. The author presents this book with respectable sins, not not in the truth of God's word, but basically giving kind of a play on words of the realization that as believers, living in a very um, sinful, wicked culture, that there have become sins that we see as, oh my goodness, those are just outright evil. But then there's things that because we compare and contrast, you know, my sin of unthankfulness versus their sin of murder, like, oh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, these respectable sins, these sins that we've said, hey, I can still get dressed on Sunday and put on a smile and go to church with gossip and unthankfulness and ungodliness in my heart, but nobody knows. You know, it's just, it's a hidden, quiet thing that, You know, and we've talked about this. Sometimes these respectable sins are not even things that you fully realize are in your heart. I talked about that when we did the episode on ungodliness. I thought, I don't struggle with ungodliness. You know, that's like for 
wicked, terrible, horrible people that do bad things. And then as I'm getting in God's word, I was like, oh my goodness, I am so ungodly. Or in last time's episode, you know, anxiety, frustration, worry. That, that I know that I struggle with that one. That's always been a struggle for me. Um, but as we get to this discontentment or unthankfulness, you, you, you might think, oh, my two-year-old's unthankful, but I'm not unthankful. But as we get into this, you realize, oh my, I, I might be more unthankful than I realized. And we've said before, anything that is not in accordance with God's word, anything that does not make us more like Christ is sin. And all of that needs rooted out of our heart as we walk this path of sanctification, as we pursue Christ-likeness in our lives. So we're just going to jump in with this talk today about discontentment and unthankfulness. So a lot of times, and I feel like, again, this really springboards from last time's episode. So much of what I talked about in last time's episode will bleed over into this one, even so much that, so I, I study ahead and didn't realize that when I kept quoting the poem by Amy Carmichael, In Acceptance, in acceptance Lieth Peace, that that poem actually was for this chapter on discontentment and not for anxiety, but it worked. So some of that will will spill over and kind of cross over in here. Um, but as we get into this talking about discontentment, you know, when I first think of discontentment, I think a lot about social media because that is a personal struggle for me. You know, I see other people's homes, really that's probably the big thing. Um, Due to uh, the way our life is, we have not gotten our own home. Um, So let me clarify in case you are like, due to your life, what? So we are headed to the mission field. We are Australia bound as soon as God opens the door and our paperwork says you have been approved. And we always knew that. I I knew that before I married Simeon, that he wanted to do missions work, church planting work in Australia. So we've always rented. um, We've always tried to rent cheap so that we had freedom to invest funds into ministry things to save for our big move. We have hand-me-down furniture because why would we buy furniture for a few years when we're going to be moving across the globe? Um, We've actually wound up being stateside much longer than we thought. That's just a whole nother story. Thank you, COVID. But anyway, we really had only planned to be here for a few years after marriage um, before we moved. So, and you know, it's funny. My home, though it's not like if I had my perfect choice of how I would decorate and what I would fill it with and what the paint colors, like it's not what I would choose. For our everyday life, like I'm happy. We've we've made it what we need it to be. Um, we we're comfortable. We we love it, you know. But there, the times where I view my home through a completely different lens are when I'm on social media or when I tend to have company because it's like all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm like, oh man, this is not what I saw on Better Homes and Garden, or <laughs> this is not what so-and-so's house looks like. And, and I think social media has allowed us to really kind of stew in discontentment because unlike any time really in the history before such interconnectedness and people sharing so much of their lives, you didn't know what everybody's kitchen looked like. I mean, I'm, I have thousands of people that I follow on Instagram and, and Facebook and like, 
you would never have known what 2,000 homes look like or the clothes that, you know, all these people wear or the trips that so-and-so's husband takes them on for their anniversary or the dinner that they go to for Valentine's or the vacations that they like. And not saying that it's bad to share those things. I, I share things like that on my social media. Um, but it has allowed a distraction that if we are not guarded, discontentment can really creep in as women as we see what other people have and compare it to what we don't have. But that's one area of discontentment. But then the Bible, the Bible speaks a lot about discontentment really in regards to money and to possessions. Those two things over and over throughout God's word. He talks about how you you need to be content with what you have, with what he has given you. And I you know, I think it it it's part of our culture too. We just want more and more and more. We want bigger and better. We want a bigger house. We want a bigger car. We want a bigger purse. You know, we want a bigger closet to fit all of our shoes and all of our clothes and then some. You know, but we just we struggle with this area of discontentment living in a very blessed first world country. Um, you know, this might not be so much of a struggle for people that live in Pakistan or India. You know, I've been reading some biographies of some Christian ladies that live in those cultures. And, you know, they're they're just thankful that they had a handful of rice to feed to their children for that day. We don't even understand that living in such area of bounty. But that just means that this is something that we have to be more aware of in our own lives. Um, The author Jerry Bridges says in his book that it is our response to our circumstances rather than the degree of difficulty that determines whether or not we are discontent. You know, discontentment doesn't always revolve around things or possessions or money. It can often surround circumstances, things that God has allowed to enter into your life. Um, Again, we talked about this in the last episode. But maybe maybe there's an ongoing thing. Maybe there's a health issue. Um, maybe there's a disability. Maybe there's a job situation that it's just it isn't here and gone in a day. Um, and and it's something that you have to continuously walk through. And discontentment can really settle in our hearts then because it's like Lord, I'm I'm following you. I'm trying to do right. And here, I just, every day is a struggle, you know, and then we do the comparison game and look at so-and-so. They aren't even living for you. And here, everything is working out perfectly for them. Two things wrong with that. One, our own hearts. Two, the majority of the time, everything's not perfect for them, whoever them is. You know, I'm thinking of, there's been times in my own life where nobody would have realized that the level of hurt and pain that was going on in my own life, but I knew it, you know, you from the outside. And then I've had people before be like, Oh, you're so bubbly and happy. And you know, everything just seems to go great for you. Now, another thing I struggle with is I like perfection. And that has been an area that I have had to yield to the Lord. I like to give a, I don't even know what the word is, a persona maybe of having it all together. Um, it's just, it's, it's a struggle for me. It's a besetting sin. Um, I, I don't like people to see my chaos, whether that's my dirty living room or my children that are in training that haven't mastered all of mommy's lessons yet, or whether that's my own tumultuous emotions. Um, so oftentimes I don't let people maybe see that side. Um, that has been an area where God has 
really grown me. You know, there was a time, especially in my like late teens, early twenties, where I actually let that hinder me from ministry because I thought, okay, I play the piano, for example. If I can't play an offertory perfectly, then I don't want to play. Like I, I would rather just not offer than to get up there and to mess up. But again, that and that this isn't anything about discontentment, but <laughs> you know, that was totally rooted in my own selfish, sinful pride. Another sin that we're going to get to eventually. Um, how did I get on this rabbit trail? Oh, anyway, not realizing that somebody might be going through something. Um, the Lord has taught me as I've walked through that I don't want to wear my emotions on my sleeve. I don't want to let everybody into vulnerable moments where I am in that battle of the old man versus new man, of bringing my feelings and emotions into subjection to Christ because there is, there's a portion of that that is messy. And I just, well, that doesn't, you don't need to air out your dirty laundry, but there is a level where being raw about my pain, being raw about my struggles has allowed me to speak into the hearts of others in a much more impactful way than if I would have just pretended like, everything is wonderful. Life is great. You know, so anyway, that, that was totally random rabbit trail, but just remembering that, you know, we, we all go through things and maybe it's not something that God has chosen for you to walk daily, but, but there's seasons where, where difficulties arise, storms arises, different things will arise and you have to battle this sin of discontentment. Um, discontentment often doesn't end at discontentment. Usually it goes on to resentment, to bitterness, to questioning God, to really struggling with these feelings. The author uh, Jerry Bridges says in his book, whatever your circumstances and however difficult they may be, the truth is that they are ordained by God for you as a part of his overall plan for your life. God does nothing or allows nothing without a purpose. And his purposes, however mysterious and inscrutable they may be to us, are always for his glory and for our ultimate good. He goes on to say, If we believe that we are who we are and what we are, because that is the way God made us, then we can learn to accept our disabilities and believe that he can use even them to glorify himself. And and I think that's so powerful. And again, I'm not going to go over this too much because I really feel like I hammered this in part three of Respectable Sins. But in just remembering that God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing in every single thing in your life is for a purpose. You may not understand that. I, I'm sitting here thinking about my own life, being like, Lord, some of these twists and turns, I don't know what that purpose was. But but it is. It's all for a purpose. He goes on to say again, we can resign ourselves to circumstances we know will never change, but still harbor in our hearts a smoldering discontentment. You know, sometimes we do resign like, well, okay, this is just my cross to bear, or this is just my lot in life, or this is just my thorn in the flesh. I'm just going to have to, you know, muster on and move on, you know, but but that, that still is discontentment. That still is not fully accepting what God has. And I know you may be listening and be like, you just have no idea 
what you are saying that I need to accept. And, and I don't. I don't know your situation. I know some of your situations. Some of you reach out to me with things and asking, what do I do? How do I even breathe again? How do I go on? And some of it is stuff that I've walked through and I've just been able to share with you my own workings of what God's done in my heart. And there have been some things where I literally am in tears. Like, I don't even know what to say. I could not imagine having to accept what God has perfectly chosen for your life. But but again, all, all I know to say is that I, this is what I've come to know to be true about God. And yeah, I mean, back, back to the poem. In acceptance lieth peace and God just wants our obedience, and obedience brings his blessing, and whether we understand it all on earth, or we we get to heaven, and then see God's perfect plan, it's perfect, it's perfect, whether we feel like it's perfect or not, and in that, we have to find contentment, we have to trust that God knows what he's doing, that we have this firm belief in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, and in his goodness, in all all circumstances of our lives. All things work together for good. All things. Everything. We have to trust in that. We're going to transition a little bit now to talking about unthankfulness. You know, it was an amazing reminder. Um, Author Jerry Bridges, in the beginning of his chapter about unthankfulness, tells the story of the lepers that were healed. You know, leprosy in Bible times was like, COVID today, except far, far worse because leprosy had a much, much worse outcome. But I I mean, the stigma of like, you are a leper. So there's this group of lepers outside the camp, ostracized from everyone. Their life, I mean, they, they have no life. They are just without the city walls. The life is going on within the city walls. And they're just, I mean, honestly waiting to die. And then here comes Jesus. And Jesus changes everything about their future. He heals them. And the amazing thing about this story is that there were 10 lepers that were cleansed, that were cleansed of their leprosy, that their life all of a sudden was gifted back to them. And the Bible says in Luke 17, one man comes back to thank Jesus. And Jesus says, wait a second. I healed more than one person. Where are the other nine? Weren't there 10 of you? And, you know, it is amazing to me. You know, I, and, and we can sit here, you know, we do this with the Israelites so often. How could they complain? I mean, you know, God delivered them from Egypt. And we sit here with these lepers like, are you kidding me? Jesus literally gave them their life back, gave them their family back, gave them their health back, gave them their dreams back. And they couldn't even thank him? Only one? You know, but... but then I'm sitting here thinking all of the blessings that God has given me. You know, sometimes with the kids, we play this little game, like, let's think of all the things that we can be thankful for. And I remembered kind of doing this when I was a kid, you know, mommy, daddy, get through all the siblings. Maybe you say house and you're like, well, I can't think of anything else. And I'm like, guys, we could literally sit here forever. <laughs> Thank God. for And so then we start talking about, you know, like, well, what about the food in our refrigerator? What about the fact that we have electricity to keep the refrigerator running so that our food doesn't spoil? We have a table to sit at and eat the food. You know, you have plates and forks that we can eat it on. Then we have water to wash it off. I mean, 
it's endless. And we kind of do it, you know, in just in not a silly way. I mean, we're, we're trying to teach the kids to be thankful, but we're kind of like, let's see how far we can follow that trail of thankfulness as we really just spring forward, forward from one thing. You know, but how often in my everyday life do I, God gives me so many, so many blessings. You know, I got clothes on my back. I've got a warm house. I've got a car. You know, I've, I've got ministry opportunities. We have a great church. I have wonderful friends. I have a wonderful husband. I have sweet children. How often do I just take that for granted? And I think, again, some of the discontentment and the unthankfulness, I think, really is heightened by the culture that we live in. But we live in this entitlement culture um, where we feel like, well, I'm owed that. You know, I, I'm an American. I, I deserve to have a nice house. I deserve to have a car. I deserve to have a good paying job. I deserve, you know, whatever. Honestly, we deserve nothing but death and hell. It is only by the grace of God that we have anything. And, you know, it just, it just the realization that we have so much to be thankful for. And then how often are we not thankful? How often do we not express that gratitude to God? Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Ephesians 5 is talking a lot about just a spirit-filled person. And you cannot be a spirit-filled person without having a thankful spirit. In Romans uh, 1 verse 21, God is giving this list of these different characteristics that describe people that are not spirit-filled. And in verse 21, it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. You know, I think it's so interesting that God lists that in that passage because before this, you know, he's talking about these terrible things. They changed the truth of God into a lie. God gave them up to their uncleanness and the lust of their hearts. You know, but, but, but in all of that, God talks about that they were unthankful. Unthankfulness is linked into vain imaginations, foolish heart, professing themselves to wise, they became fools. And I think we just need to be so careful that that we remember who gives us the blessings, where the gifts come from, that we remember to express our gratitude to the Lord for his working in our lives. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you know, this this in everything give thanks, that doesn't mean that we just give God thanks for the blessings and the abundance and the, the wealth and provisions and the good times. This also means that we have to thank him for the difficulties, for the struggle. And as we've laid some foundation in this episode, in the previous episode, it, how can we give thanks for things that are so devastating to our hearts? But it's because God in his perfect plan has chosen that to make us more like him. And do I want to be Christ-like? Yes. I need to be thankful for whatever it is that God perfectly crafts for my life to make me Christ-like. So these are just two different things that can really creep into our hearts that, again, we just justify as not being a big deal. Really, a lot of it is it does stem from our culture. But in, in application, how can we work on these areas in our own life? How can we teach our children to work on these areas in their lives? 
So for discontentment, I really think that we just, we again, I mean, I feel like all of the application is kind of the same every time, but we just, we got to get in God's word, study it, meditate it, read it, memorize it, especially the things, the scripture passages about contentment and about God's sovereignty. You know, when we under, when we begin to have a glimpse and understand the sovereignty of God, it allows us to place that contentment underneath that knowledge. Our heart can be content because we know this to be true about God. Even if discontentment arises in our heart, even if circumstances are screaming at us, you have every reason to feel discontented. We bring that under subjection to the knowledge of God and we can be content as we remember who he is and who he is in our lives and then allow that to give you a perspective shift. It's not just about you. It's not just about the circumstances that are surrounding you that are causing these feelings. God has a bigger picture. Allow your gaze to be heavenward and see that God is at work and he is at work in this situation and then just ask God to give you a heart of acceptance and we've talked about this before. But just finding that peace, the peace that comes from accepting his perfect plan. And, you know, discontentment does not bring peace at all. Discontentment leads to more discontentment, which leads to frustration, which leads to jealousy, which leads to so many other things. But it is in contentment that we find this resigned peace. And that's not saying that, you know, just you don't look at somebody's house and be like, oh, that's nice. Or, oh, I'd like to have that. You know, that that's okay. But it's... Again, having it under subjection, not allowing that discontentment to get out of place to where it is a sin in your life. Allowing God to just give you a heart of acceptance where, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for what I have. I'm content with what I have, with what God's given me. God's given me everything that I need and he will take care of me. And then as we kind of specifically mention unthankfulness here, really just develop a habit of continual thanksgiving. Look for opportunities in your day where you can be thankful You know, I've read some different books on habits and habit forming, and they always talk about when you're trying to form a new habit, attaching it to an established part of your day. You know, so if you, we've talked a lot about morning Bible time. If you're trying to implement like scripture memory with your kids, attach it to breakfast. Hey, after we finish breakfast, we do breakfast every day. That's something that's just, it's non-negotiable. We don't have to think about. It's part of our morning. So now as we introduce this new thing, we're going to attach it to that. When we're done with breakfast, before we get up from the table, we're going to work on our Bible verse, our scripture memory. Let's do the same thing with Thanksgiving. If this isn't a continual part of your day, and I mean, you can do it mentally, but I'm even talking about verbally, like verbalize your thanks to God. Do that, especially as a mama in the home. It's good for our kids to hear us being thankful, um, whether it's to God, if it's to their daddy, if even if it's to them, they, you know, they helped, they did something. Thank you for that. But attach it to a part of your day or attach it to a routine. One thing that we do, As I'm putting away groceries, you know, I remember that used to be a very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but it was like, okay, I got the groceries, got them inside the house. Now, last step, if I can just get these put away quick, like, okay, let's do this. And then, you know, I'm like, ah, don't run into the living room with that can of pizza sauce. And so it used to be a little chaotic, but I have tried to use that as a thankfulness time. As I'm putting away food, thank you, God. You've filled our pantry. Thank you, God. Look at all this food in our fridge. Thank you, God. You've even provided 
abundance so that we can minister through hospitality or take a meal. You know, maybe I got ingredients to take a meal to a new mama or yeah, to a mom that had a new baby. You know, thank you, God, that you provided above and beyond so that we can have a, a ministry opportunity with this family. Um, so that's just been something in our own home that we've tried to attach that thankfulness to. I know a lot of people pray at mealtime. You can attach thankfulness to them. Um, but just look for opportunities throughout your day where you can be in a continual state of thanksgiving. And then spend a part of your prayer time in praise and thanksgiving. This is so important. And I think this really bleeds into in modeling this and teaching this to our kids and helping them to have a thankful heart towards God. I think so often our prayers are very, um, really just straight up requests. Lord, I need this and this and this from you. Please work it out. Answer my prayers. Amen. And we leave it at that. But prayer is to be so much more than that. Like, that's not how I talk to my husband. The only things, like, I say way more to him than... I really need your wallet today, and can you take out the trash? Like, if that was the extent of our relationship, there it wouldn't be very intimate. There wouldn't be a lot of depth to that relationship. But that's how we treat God. You know, so come to God in your prayer time. Make it a part of your prayer time. Even as, you're, as you pray in family devotions or have family prayer time, make it a part of your prayer time to, yes, you want to bring your request before God. He's told us to do that. But we also should be spending quite a bit of time in prayer, if not more than the time we spent requesting, praising, giving thanks, thanking God for who he is, thanking for how he's revealed his character to us, thanking him for how he's answered very specific prayers, thanking him for things that he has given to us, thank him for, I mean, it could be endless. You know, what, what did he do for you throughout the day? Thank him for bringing you all together again. You know, we we travel a lot, not quite so much in this season as we had in past years, but we always tried to make a habit of praying before we left out on the trip. Lord, give us safety. Help us to get where we need to go on time. You know, praying that everything would go smoothly. And then one day I realized we are praying when we leave, but we're not thanking when we arrive. So we've tried to be better about implementing that. Okay, we've made it. God answer our prayers. We're all here in one piece. You know, we might be a little frazzled, but we're here and we made it. And now let's just, let's take a moment and we're not going to ask God for anything. We're just going to praise him for answering our prayer requests. And I, I love the connection that thankfulness makes to petition because now my kids are seeing I have asked something specific of God. And I'm following up with thankfulness for God answering. So what are they learning? One, they're learning what our response should be to God's working in our lives. The thankfulness is always directed back at him. But they're also realizing God hears and answers prayer. God answered that specific need in our lives, and we're going to take a moment and thank him for it. So those are just some practical ways that we've worked on discontentment and unthankfulness in our lives. I know it is an area of struggle, and especially as you're teaching children, we're born discontent and unthankful. And that is something that it's a work that the Holy Spirit really has to do in our hearts as we conform more into the image of Christ. But I thank you ladies for joining me again for part four of Respectable Sins, and we will continue this study next month. But I will look forward to joining you next week on the No Higher Calling podcast. Let's pray. Father, 
I thank you for your blessings, Lord, your abundant blessings. Help each one of us to be more aware of the things that you have gifted to us, the things that you've given us, and even things that you have chosen for our life that we might not necessarily feel thankful for. Help us to have the discernment and the perspective to thank you anyway and to trust you and to accept your perfect will. Help us to find contentment and peace as we learn more about you, as we conform more into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.